0: Hello, this is Steve Merwin, back with another fascinating look into the wild. Today we will be reviewing further footage of another interaction between the male and the female human, this time with a very interesting course of events. We enter as the female is wrestling with a foreign object that appears to have malfunctioned. She seems upset by this. The male joins her in the room. The female's body language communicates her frustration with the male. He looks puzzled by the scenario he has found himself in. He leaves abruptly while scratching his head. The woman looks at her watch, signifying that she has lost hope in the male's return. The female reaches for her cellular device and makes a phone call. Ah, this part is very interesting. It appears the female has communicated with a second male. He seems to be a professional in this field. The first male returns to the room, this time with a tool. The second male has many tools and has already begun to fix the broken object. The male looks on. It seems the female did not have faith in the male's ability to find a solution. The male is sad.
1: good afternoon every good morning good afternoon whatever it is welcome to the well my name is father anthony welcome to part three of into the wild the relationship series for people who hate relationship series because we're not talking about relationships and what you need to do as much as we're trying to understand how god made us different from one another we're in part three of a five-part series and if you missed either of the two first two parts then you can easily get caught up online. You can go binge watch all the well that you want by going to stsa.church and click on the well. You can also find us on YouTube. You can also find us on the app. But make sure that you get caught up because what you missed so far has been some valuable stuff, right? So in the first week, we talked about the indisputable laws of relationships, not stuff that we want, not stuff that we wish, stuff that's just indisputable. Like gravity is to physics. We talked about some indisputable laws of relationships, how men and women are just made differently, how we process information differently, how we deal with stress differently, how God made our brains different, just how we are different. Last week was kinda the first part to this week. Okay, last week and this week are kind of two sides of the same coin. Last week's message was titled, What Every Man Needs to Know About Women. Gentlemen, was it helpful what we talked about last week? Was it helpful, gentlemen? It was not, that everyone's scared to say in front of their wife. Okay, everyone's saying. (laughs) Last week what we talked about, because I know sometimes the creature called the male has a very short-term memory, so let's recap. The most important thing for a man, what y'all need to do, what we need to do as men, is we need to make Love a verb, verb. someone say a lot, not a lot, okay, a verb, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Lot is, that's a different series, okay, that's a different series, okay, that's good, but a verb is what we really want, okay, a verb. And we talked about how men, we talked about how we always think in terms of big things that we need to do. We shared a little secret last week that you don't need to do big things for your wife and there you can earn points with your wife by doing nothing nothing it takes to earn wife points with your wife but just to show how men sometimes don't get this okay i had a guy text me on sunday afternoon sunday afternoon so we finished here at 12:30. like three o'clock he texted me or 3 30 or 4 o'clock and he texted me and he said how long do the points last <laughs> but you see the difference I, I bring this up not just to show that he's a buffoon as much as to say this is how your husband thinks ladies he thinks in terms of, okay, yeah, Father Ant told me to get points. I'm going to go get a whole bunch of points. I'm going to rack them up and then I'm going to move on to the next task so I can check off the God points to my wife. I don't need to do that anymore. That's how we think. This is the husband. This is when the wife comes and says, he doesn't tell me he loves me anymore. He never says I love you anymore. You say do not say anymore. And the husband responds saying, I told you about at the beginning that I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> this is that husband. But gentlemen, what we realized All right, last week, it's good news and it's bad news that ladies need constant, constant reassurance, constant investment, constant, constant, constant acts of love. But here's the trick, it doesn't need to be big. The smallest act of love your woman, your wife, will respond to and see it as equal to a big one. 12 roses is no different than one rose in her eyes. Save yourself some money and just go for the one. Because you don't need to do big things. It's those little small little things. But just to show you how men and women think differently. Today we're going to talk about the ladies. What every woman needs to know about men. But before we do that, just where we're going in the next two weeks. Next week's message is titled, Lost That Love and Feeling. This one is for men, women, single, married. This is for all of us. Especially those who are approaching marriage or in the beginning of marriage. This is your most important message that's coming next week. Because we're going to talk about is about some of the emotional baggage that we carry into our relationships and we always think that the problem is the relationship. Well my belief in life and you'll agree with me after next week when we talk about this together my theory in life is this that your propensity your ability to receive love is based on the baggage that you bring into that relationship so it's not always that he doesn't know how to love me or she doesn't know how to love me maybe it's that I don't know how to receive love because of the stuff that I'm bringing into marriage And the stuff that you bring in, if you don't learn how to deal with it, will inhibit your ability to, you will always say, my husband doesn't love me. Or I don't feel like we're in love. And it will always come back to something inside me that needs to be dealt with. So don't miss that message. It's going to be next week. The final week, the finale, will be titled No One Told Me That. And I'm going to share three or four random pieces of advice that's just on my heart to share with everyone as regards to relationship and marriage. So I'm not gonna share it alone. We're gonna have a special guest speaker that week. I'm going to do a dangerous activity. I'm going to invite my wife up on stage and give her a microphone too, as some, because many of the ladies are like, we wanna hear what she has to say. What are you talking about? We wanna hear what she has to say. We wanna hear what she has to say. And not only that, I'm gonna give you a chance to ask questions, but you gotta submit them in advance. So if you think of a question today or next week or anytime, you submit that question to questions at stsa.church week five and two weeks from now. If I bring my wife up here, give her a microphone. We'll share some stuff that no one ever told us, but we feel will be beneficial to share with you guys. That will be in two weeks but let us go back to today, to the ladies. All the men are excited for today. I see more number of men than usual in church here today. And they got their pens and their notebook and they're ready to take some notes. What every woman needs to know about men. I'm gonna start off with a premise that no one will disagree with and then we'll talk about the application of this premise. And the premise is this, that men and women are different when it comes to words. Words when it comes to men, how men use them and how women use them are different. We're different and what words mean. Like, for example, in my household, the word five minutes means different things. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe in your household, you may discover the same thing. Certain words have different meanings. You'll discover that men and women use words and exact opposite purposes. That women actually use them to think, and men use them only when they're not thinking and men cannot think and speak at the same time. And that's why if he's talking and you are asking what are you thinking? The answer is nothing, (laughs) because he's talking. But the number one area of discrepancy, which no one will disagree with me on this one. The number one area of discrepancy is on the quantity of words that we use. Studies say, there's a whole bunch of studies and research on this and you get all kinds of varied results. On average, on average, women use twice as many words per day as men. Some studies say up to three times. Now I can read the minds. My, I know what the wives are thinking. The wife are thinking, it's because I have to repeat everything because he never listed. <laughs> but no ladies, this is even pre-marriage because they did studies on children at the youngest age. Little children on the playground. Little toddlers, little three, four, five, and six-year-olds, whatever it may be on the playground. And they see the little girls playing and little boys playing you won't believe what they see. When little girls are playing, the whole time they're talking, and they're talking the whole time. And they're talking the whole time. No matter what the game is, they're talking. And they're speaking in sentences, and they're articulating, and they're communicating information. And what they discovered is, even if all the little girls leave, that little girl is totally content, 100% content, to talk to herself. Okay, no one even around. The husband's thinking, oh, that's where she learned it from. Okay? (laughs) The boys? They watch them. Only 55% of the things that came out of a boy's mouth was intelligible. (laughs) And it's more accurate to describe the boys on the playground as noises, not words. Because there's a lot of... uh." Now I see this discrepancy played out on a regular basis in my car when I'm driving my children. I have one boy and one girl. Ladies, in case you don't know this, car is prime nothing box time for your husband. (laughs) It is prime nothing time because we just get in that car, we turn on that radio and we just drive, we don't know, we just drive and we're in our nothing box. And when it's me and my son, when it's me and the boy, nothing makes me prouder than I look over at him and I see him in his nothing box. And I'm telling you, me and Michael, we ride to church together every Sunday. We don't utter a word. In the beginning, I used to say, how are you? And he would, huh? Fine. Yeah. And every, how was the weekend? Huh? Yeah. And he was uh huhing me as I do. To, like, I mean, he was just, and I'm like, just staying. Like, i was just so proud of my boy in the nothing box. <laughs> a couple of days ago, it was just me and Lizzie in the car. She's 10. Michael was 6, so he didn't go to school, so I picked up Lizzie from school. It was just me and her. I'm in my nothing box, and she is how that be made? Huh? Yeah, yeah. that <laughs> made? Yeah, huh. Can we play a game? I know no game. What's that over here? What's that? And she's and I'm just uh huh, uh huh. I'm not listening to anything she's saying. I know this is bad. I'm not saying this is good. This is a series on marriage, not parenting. Okay, parenting, I'm not doing. <laughs> I'm uh-huh-ing my daughter to death. And she says the following. She says, and I asked her, I'm gonna say, Lizzie, can I tell this story in church? She was so proud. She can go listen to this. She said the following. Dad, are you in one of those not talkative moods again? <laughs> And I'm like, when did my daughter become my wife? (laughs) So I explained to her. I explained to her, I say, Lizzie, you know, sometimes men just need a little bit of time to think, so sometimes, you know, we're not in a talkative mood, it's okay. Her response, oh wow, a whole sentence, dad, good for you. (laughs) Man, good luck to her husband. (laughs) But it's true, it's true. It's true. Ladies, you know this to be true. You can see the difference between how men and women use words in simply asking your husband to tell you a story of something that happened. And men, women, when they tell a story, it's as if they're reliving the story. It's as if they're there and the action and the scene and the clouds and all that stuff. And men, it's one, two, three. It's just highlights. Like everything for us is sports center. Everything gets at the ticker at the bottom. Just the bottom line. How many times the following event has happened to me? Hey, Marianne, so and so had a baby. What kind? A baby. Like, I don't know. A little one. I don't know. And, and, and how tall and how short and how long. And, how, and I'm like, I don't know. 20 pounds. I don't know. I, I have no idea. But she wants the details. Or another one, gentlemen, how many times has this happened? You come home from work, and your wife asks you the most dreaded question. How was your day? Our problem is, we men, we have the boxes. Remember, we talked about the boxes. So she asks, how was your day? We start to scan the boxes. We don't see anything. Because we just look at our day and we categorize it as a day. So we look at it and say nothing. So we say every wife's worst answer, how was your day, the day was fine. And then she, she uh, content with fine. I was never content with fine. She said, no, what happened? And we again, we start to panic. Something must have happened. Something must have happened. I left here 10 hours ago, something, and we're scanning, scanning, and we can't think of anything. And we say, nothing. (laughs) And she automatically thinks he's withholding from me. He's withholding from me. He's not telling me, he's not sharing. Why is he being closed? Ladies, did you know that what etches events in your memory is an emotion. So if there's an event without an emotional connection, it doesn't etch in a memory. The reason why you remember everything is because you connect an emotion to everything. We men, so the problem is not that we're withholding from you. The problem is not that your man is trying to keep stuff from you. The problem is he's just a heartless, emotionless human being. And he has no emotion, so he just categorizes events as events. Job as job. And that's why there's nothing etched in there. On the surface, this word's discrepancy seems like one of those, we talked about in the first week, excuse me, how our differences were not meant to confuse us, but to complete us. This seems like one of those confusing ones. Like, why would God do this? Why would God make it so that women who love to communicate and need to communicate, and then the men who can barely communicate and think at the same time, like they can't do both. Why would God do that? What every woman needs to know about men. Listen very carefully to me here, ladies, today, because I'm gonna share some good stuff. Last week I said the men would pay me. Okay, none of the cheapskates did, but you all may actually. Because I'm gonna share with you something that's super important for you to know. Your man doesn't use words, but he needs yours. And he desperately needs yours. Because what you may not realize is that your words have a greater impact on your man than you will ever realize. The words that you say, can cut him so deeply and tear him down or they can build him up and make him feel like a million bucks you have that power in your words proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue death and life are in the power of the tongue the problem ladies you don't realize the power of your words because the only way for you to realize the impact of your words is your man would have to tell you, and we already agreed he doesn't talk. But just because he doesn't tell you the impact doesn't mean that it's there. And what I wanna share to you today, ladies, this is an empowering message for you, is that you have a power inside you through your words. You know how the whole, like, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck that moves the head, you've heard that analogy before? This is the perfect analogy for that. Because you have the power to get your man, don't tell him, to get your man to do just about anything you want him to do with the power of your words. But you must use them wisely. You can build him up, or you can tear him down. You can make him feel like he's the superhero, the knight in shining armor. You can get him to do stuff. You can use this to your advantage. Or you can mess it up, and you can destroy him and destroy your most important relationship in your life at the same time if you don't figure this out. Every man needs two things with your words. Two things, we're gonna make it real simple. Just two things. And the two things are really, one is building on the other, but I wanted to break them out just so I'm even more clear. Your man needs you to appreciate him and believe in him with your words. This is your task, ladies. Appreciate and believe in. Easy, ladies. This isn't that complicated, right? Should be pretty easy. All the single women saying yes. All the married women saying, this is a lot harder than you realize because you don't realize how dumb my husband is. (laughs) Let's start with appreciate. Some wives think it is their God-given duty to keep their husbands humble and think it is their obligation to make sure that nothing goes to his head. And because of that, you remind him of all the dumb, idiotic things that he has ever done and said on a regular basis. And I'll be honest, I sometimes get horrified horrified when I hear how some wives speak about and to their husbands for example oh the house is falling apart you know why Because he's too lazy to do anything about it he's too lazy to fix it and he's too cheap to hire someone else right in front of him like the him is right there oh I would go out on on that night and I would join you for that, but I can't trust my husband to watch the kids because how's he gonna feed them? Right there, as as if he has no brain. One time I heard a guy share an idea, like was sharing, like, hey, Father Anthony, you ever thought about this for the church? Like, I got this great idea. And I heard the wife say, no joke. That's so stupid, that would never work. I'm like, I'm like make light of it and make a joke of it. But what I wanna say, do you realize the damage you are doing to your husband? Do you realize it? The damage you are doing to yourself, not just your husband. The damage you are causing to the most important relationship in your life. The guy who you want to, to, to the, all the stuff we said last week, the guy who we want to love you like a verb. Do you realize what you're doing to him? You don't realize it, ladies, because again, men don't talk. But we have very fragile egos. I'm the first one to admit it. I'm up here and I'm confident, I'm laughing, I'm joking, I'm microphone and public speaking. I got a very fragile ego. All men do, all men. It's watching sports. After every play, good play, man, good play, good job, good job. We're always seeking that approval. Like, good job, good job, good job. You wanna know where you can see it very clearly? All right, I started to notice this when I start in the gym. You go to a gym. You got the machines, you got the weights, you got the whatever, and you got the mirrors. Every gym has tons of mirrors. You ever notice how a man versus a woman walks by a mirror? A woman walks by a mirror, a normal person. She does her exercise and she just walks to the other side. How does the man walk by a mirror? Man puts down the weights and he's like, and then we kind of, every man is checking himself out in the mirror at the gym. Just go watch at the gym and you will see it. We put down that weights and we just find oh Yeah, that's right, still got a baby. You know what I mean? Every man because all of us have very fragile egos. We're always looking for someone, even the mirror, to say, good job, good job, good job. He did a good job. Because every guy's looking for approval. Proverbs, we'll get some verses from Proverbs here. Proverbs 16 says, pleasant words. Ladies, think about this when your man comes home from work. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 31 talks about the ideal woman. The Proverbs 31 woman says she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Now some of you ladies, I know what you're saying. The Proverbs 31, wife speaks with wisdom, speak with kindness, sweetness on her tongue. That's because her husband isn't as lazy as mine. And if I had a husband who wasn't half as lazy as he was, half as stupid as he is, look, I'm gonna ask for your for you I'm gonna ask a favor from all the ladies here. I know some of you you got a story and I know you could come up here on stage and take the microphone and tell me a thousand stories about how your husband is irresponsible and he's selfish and he's immature and, 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 and. I've heard all the stories and I promise you I've heard a worse story than yours. I promise you, if you want someone to one-up your story, I can find you to someone to one-up your story. I've heard all the stories. I'm just asking you, give me the next 20, 30 minutes that just for the next 20, 30 minutes, ask yourself this question. Say, hey, wait, maybe I'm not doing my part. I talked to them last week and I said how they have to love as a verb. And I said all that stuff. Ladies, ask yourself maybe some of you, last week, your husband came home and he heard my talk about getting the points and he heard about, and he tried to do something nice for you. And how did you respond when he did something nice? Oh, you're just doing that because Father Anthony said, Oh, you're just trying to get some points, you're not getting any points, you're just so far. No, you're not getting any points, you little no points give the guy a break, man. Like this stuff ain't easy for us. Give him a break. You know what I wanna say, and this sounds disrespectful, but I'm talking about men, I'm t- like I'm a man, so it's not disrespectful. I don't think any of the men will take this in a disrespectful way. Y'all ladies think, like if, you say, if I were to say this about women, y'all would get offended, but we men don't get offended. You need to treat us like a puppy. How do you treat a puppy? When a puppy does something good, you appreciate him. You give him a little snack and say, good boy, good boy. When a puppy does something bad, or it doesn't do something good. What do you do? You just don't give him the treat. You don't beat the tar out of him. Tell him how dumb he is. Good, treat. No good, no treat. And then eventually we get trained. We as men, we have no. We, this is not demeaning for us. We like this. Okay, we like a reward system. Like we like one plus one equal two. We like to know the rules of the game before the game starts. But the problem is, we sometimes what y'all think is that we don't get to beat the tar out of the dog, and that's why he's gonna learn. What happens if you're trying to train a dog and you beat the tar out of it every time it doesn't do good? You're going to have a spooked dog who is probably going to avoid the owner at all costs. Ladies, last week I said your man likes to think in his mind that he's a superhero. And gentlemen, remember we said the superhero, the number one rule of the hero, the number one rule of the superhero. He always goes back for the girl. Remember we said that last week. The hero, you cannot be a hero if you leave the girl to die in the building. You cannot be a hero. If the girl is surrounded by a whole bunch of enemies, your children, okay, and she's surrounded by the enemy and you just leave her there, okay, then you cannot be a hero. Hero has to go back, fight off the little enemies, okay, and save the woman, but ladies, I don't know any movie of where the boy comes back for the girl, and she says, "You're late. (laughs) You're supposed to be here." I don't know what she said. You tracked mud in here when you were saving me. Why you wearing that shirt? Don't you know you're gonna be saving me today? If the boy was expecting that from the girl, he may not come back, or he may find someone else to go save now you're in trouble because you got a boy out there who wants to be a superhero because every boy wants to be a superhero, who wants to save the damsel in distress. And you told him it is more effort than it's worth to come save me and now you have a problem. That's not to say you can't confront him, can't challenge him, you can't, that's not to say that you can't call him out, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, appreciation, your man needs to know, listen carefully, you are his number one fan, that you are his cheerleader, that you're in his corner, and that when he comes to you, even for the pathetic little things that he does, that you will appreciate it, and you will encourage it, and not shut him down. And that gets us to the second one. I said appreciate, appreciate is the easy one. The harder one is believes in. Because appreciate is kind of the surface, and we need to start there. But we need to go even higher, which is believes in. Right now, I want to look at a passage from 1 Corinthians 13, a passage you know very well, a passage that's recited at weddings and engagements, all, celebrations all over. You print it on the little cards, and a lot of people, not even knowing it's from the Bible, recite these verses about how what love is. In the passage that St. Paul talks about love and gives the characteristics of love, he says lots of great things, and we'll read those in a second. But there's one sentence in there. If you take it out of the context... It sounds like bad advice. It sounds like, St. Paul, what are you talking about here? And I want to look at that sentence and I want to challenge you to think about love in a potentially different way than maybe you've thought about before. This passage applies to both men and women, okay, but specifically today I'm emphasizing it for the women, not that men don't need it, but kind of like last week when I talked about the love as a verb, both men and, and women need it, but We emphasize it for the men, same thing here today on the women's side. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Anyone disagree on that? Perfect. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, agree. Love does not parade itself, of course, because love is giving, not taking. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own, does not provoke. Love thinks no evil. Thinks no evil in other translations is translated, keeps no record of wrong. That's a real shame because some of us are really good at that, right? Like, it's a shame that love can't do that because some of us, it's like our our talent in life is to keep track of all the wrong things that our spouse did. But love cannot do any of those things. So far, we're good. Like, we agree this is what love is. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, okay? Love rejoices in the truth. But now here's the strange sentence. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Is that good advice? Is that what you tell your girlfriend when she tells you about how insensitive her husband is again? How unreliable he is? How immature he is? You tell her, bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Like it almost sounds abusive, doesn't it? First of all, as I said a minute ago, this applies equally to men and women. I'm emphasizing it for women, but it applies equally to both. So don't get yourselves on that one. The second thing, I believe that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I don't wanna say this, I don't wanna be like overly dramatic here, but I'm telling you, I can't tell you the number of marriage problems that I see today that this would solve. Because I truly believe, on the ladies' side, on the men's side, we talked to them last week, so again, I'm not negating that. But on the lady side, I'm telling you, if y'all can figure this out, y'all are doing not him a favor, you are doing yourselves a favor. Let me explain. In every relationship, there is a gap. Every relationship has a gap. A gap between expectation and behavior what you expect of the person, and what the person actually does. There's always a gap. There is never that any person will match their behavior with your expectation fully. Every relationship at work, at home, but especially when it comes to marriage because we tend to have the highest expectation. So when there is a gap between expectation and the behavior, you said you'd be home by six, it's now seven. You said you were gonna fix this by Friday, it's now Saturday and it's still broken. You said that you were going to do something for my birthday. When there's a gap between expectation and belief, you, listen carefully, you have a choice of what you will use to fill that gap. You have a choice of what you are going to do to bridge the gap between expectation and behavior. Your two choices are this. Believe the best or assume the worst it's your choice will you believe the best will you assume the worst married people y'all get this one easy it is so easy to see what my spouse does when there's a gap. it's so easy to see yeah you know what she never believes the best or he never believes the best he always assumes the worst about me it's so easy to see what they do but I'm challenging you I'm asking you Where does your mind naturally go when there's a gap? You get a text message, going to be late from work today. Where does your mind naturally go? Believe the best or assume the worst? Is your mind go to, you know what? He must be really busy at work to be late for dinner again. I feel bad for him. Or is it that irresponsible, unreliable, I knew it. Where does your mind go? He's not in a talkative mood. He's in a one-word answer kind of mood. Where does your mind go? Oh, he's probably got a lot on his mind these days. Or he doesn't care about me, he doesn't love me, he doesn't understand me. All of us put something in the gap. It starts in your mind, it eventually comes out your mouth. And just because it hasn't come out your mouth yet, it's just a matter of time. Where does your mind go? Now again, some of you, but you don't know my husband. And let me tell you about my husband. And he has and he has. Look, I understand. I understand. And I know and I know and I know. And I heard the stories. And like I said, I could tell you worse stories than yours. I'm not talking about your husband today. I'm talking about you. You have a choice regardless. I'm not excusing his behavior is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not saying he's off the hook. But what I'm saying is, what are you putting in that gap? And maybe, maybe all of us need to look at ourselves. And I'm going to challenge you here. And I'm going to say this. And I might hide after I say this. I'm going to challenge you to see what your part in his behavior is. And you may say, no, he is, and he does, and he does, but listen to me carefully. I'm gonna say this one, then I'm gonna duck. I'm gonna say it, then I'm gonna duck. I will make the case that the people who have the best marriages, speak specifically to ladies, that the ladies who have the best marriages are not the ones who have the best husbands, but those who believe the best about their husbands. The ladies, experience the most satisfaction in marriage are not those who have the best husbands but those who believe the best about their husbands you say if i was married to so and so i'd be okay and i say to you your behavior you in your mind you think his behavior leads to my assumption about him my belief about him and i want to say maybe your belief about him leads to his behavior maybe there's a nice book called The One Thing You Need to Know. Anyone ever heard of this book? It's not a marriage book, not a relationship book. It's a book about like leadership and stuff like that. Has nothing to do with anything about marriage but they use a marriage example in the very beginning which I thought was very very relevant. The whole premise of the book, The One Thing You Need to Know basically breaks it down and says in every area of life in every area of life there's one most important thing. Like if you can figure out, like you're an engineer, or you're an architect, or you want to make it in sales, or you want to be an athlete, or you want to be, grow your church, like whatever it may be, there's one thing you need to know. If you just get this one thing right, and for every area, it's a different thing. So what is your one thing you need to know in whatever area? That's the whole premise of the book. He uses an illustration based on marriage. He does a study of what makes marriage successful. And they talk to like, you know, 100 couples, you know, they, they weed it down from like a thousand couples. These are the ones who have the highest level of satisfaction. These hundred couples who are all been married like 10 plus years. Whatever it may be. I don't really care about the details of it. But the, he gets a group of people who have been determined. These people have happy marriages. And he wants to see in them what's the least common denominator. What's the one thing that you need to make a happy marriage? Like if there's one thing that a, you can distill it down to, what is that one thing? They assumed... They knew the answer. What they did is, which is something that we often do, is they looked at what makes people unhappy in marriage, and they assumed the opposite would be true. So what they discovered is, and those who have the least satisfying marriage, those people would say that they don't understand their their spouse. So husbands would say that my wife doesn't know anything about me, and the wife would say, my husband doesn't understand me, what I value that understand what I'm strong at, what I'm weak at. That, that, that the couples who understood each other the least were the ones who had the worst marriages. They just, they, they, they don't understand each other. They don't see each other correctly. They have the worst marriages. So the assumption was that those who saw each other the most realistically and had the most accurate view of their spouse, those would be the ones who had the good marriages. Makes sense, right? Like logic. You know, they discovered the exact opposite. And in his research, says the exact says this, quote, he says the results were so deeply counterintuitive that initially most will have difficulty absorbing. What they realized is this. The successful couples were not those who had realistic views of one another, but who had actually unrealistic views of one another. What they did is they gave each person a test. So they gave all the men a test. How good are you at, like, uh, compassion? How patient are you? How affectionate are you? How um, kind are you? Like, whatever. Rate yourself on all these. And then they gave the same to the wives, rate your husband. And they did both, husband, wife, wife, husband. Rate your husband. And the couples who were the happiest were not the ones who matched answers. The ones who were the happiest were where the wives, and again, the husbands too, but I'm just focusing on the wives, had the most unrealistic view of their husband where the husband gave himself a four on patience, and the wife gave him a five. And the husband gave himself a three on kindness, and the wife gave him a four. And the husband gave himself, you know, a a two on compassion, the wife gave him no, a six, or whatever it may be. What their conclusion was, is that love is a little bit blind. And love doesn't see each other in a realistic way. but true, happy love is the people who see each other better than they actually are. You don't believe me, i get you some quotes here because I know you think I'm making this stuff up. It says this, in the happiest couples, the wife rated the husband more positively than he did on every single quality. And that's hard to do because we men, we rate ourselves pretty high on stuff. But the wife rated her husband higher than he did himself. For some reason, the wife in a highly rewarding relationship consistently credited her husband with qualities that he didn't think he had. That's impressive. Next quote. And so over time, my positive illusions, he's talking about himself like someone who's gonna have a happy marriage. My positive illusions create an upward spiral of love. My illusions give me conviction. My conviction leads to security. My security fosters intimacy and my intimacy reinforces love. He just used the word illusion. But the people who are happiest in marriage, again, specifically wife to the husband, have an illusion about their husband, that he's something that he's not. And you say, wait a minute, that's crazy. How could it be that that is what we're supposed to do? How could it be that we're supposed to think unrealistic things? Well, maybe, just maybe, you've heard of the whole confirmation bias thing, that what you believe, you can usually find evidence to prove. And maybe the wives who believe the best about their husband looked for evidence to validate it And not only that, encouraged it and appreciated it so that it kept on becoming something uh, that, that they kept on continue to do. You say, hey, wait a minute, Father Anthony, this is crazy. You want me to think about my slob of a husband and tell me that he's hardworking? About my inconsiderate and tell me that he's Mother Teresa all of a sudden? That's what you want me to do? Yes. And I'll tell you what. You already have done it. You already did it. You remember when you were dating? You remember when you were engaged? And your mother told you, he's kinda, of yeah. You. You're like, no, he's just that's his way. <laughs> so you know he's not the nicest and most sociable. No, he's just, you know, he's just, you know, he's focused. He's focused is what he is. And your sister told him, he kind of ugly. You said no, but he's got them dimples. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you already did it, ladies. That's how we got you. Okay, we gave you an illusion of where and you already did it. And during that time, nobody, nobody could say nothing about your man. And you'd let anybody talk and talk and talk. But your man, you didn't see no wrong in your man. <coughs> Says this third quote, putting these conclusions together. This controlling insight can serve as the one thing you need to know about happy marriage. The one thing, okay, in marriage. I love the way he says this. Ladies, you want you to write this one down. Find the most generous explanation for each other's behavior and believe it. That's for men and women. Find the most generous explanation for each other's behavior and believe it. He's not impatient he's focused he's not rude he's honest he's not bald he just that's his good luck charm <laughs> it sounds delusional but what it truly is is not delusional like we don't want to go off to you could take this to an extreme that's that's not healthy and like I said that could be abusive I'm not talking about to that extreme but what it is is recasting your husband's weakness because he has weakness. But you got weakness too. So don't leave me It's recasting his weakness in light of his strength. And that's something I think we should all do. So, what do y'all do, where do y'all go with this thing? Naturally, ladies, I'm asking you to challenge yourself. Don't tell me how dumb your husband is. Tell me how lazy he is. Don't tell me about his deficiencies. Don't tell me about all that stuff. Guys, y'all are enjoying today, aren't you? Sitting back and saying, yeah, yeah. well, don't forget last week, make love a verb because that's why we did you first because we know you'd be sitting up here on your high little horse with your feet up and say that's right I may be an idiot but you would father anything you have to believe I'm smart no you have to make her believe you have to give her a reason to believe by making love a verb and that was what I called you out on last week and if you missed last week go listen to it and don't you dare say a word to your wife about today's message until you listen to last week's but ladies I'm talking to you I'm going to challenge you to go deeper where do you do with this where do you naturally land on this Are you a believe the best kind of a person Are you assume the worst? Maybe your marriage is not in a good place today. Maybe there's hurt, there's rejection, there's loneliness, there's isolation. I'm asking you. You looking for positives? Are you looking for negatives? Some people, this hopefully doesn't apply to the majority, but some of us ladies need to hear what I'm about to say. Some of us, Not only are we not looking for the positive, we're looking for the negative. We, inside, we want our husband to fail. We celebrate when our husband, we won't say it, but that's the, see, I told you he wouldn't get here on time. See, I told you he'd be irresponsible again. See, I'm right. See, I told you he couldn't, he couldn't make the kids dinner and do the dishes and be, put him in bed by eight. I See, I told you we're looking for them to fail. And if that's the case, we need to seriously take a look in the mirror and evaluate what's going on on the inside. Because you may be winning the argument, but you are losing the relationship. And I'm telling you, ladies, that when you assume the best, even if you lose the argument and you think you are losing in the short term, I promise you, you are winning in the long term. Why? Because I want to tell you two secrets about your husband that you don't know. One, he doesn't know. And the second one, he may know, but he'll never admit. Two secrets about your husband. The first is this. Your husband, no matter who he is, the last thing he wants to do in life is disappoint you. You didn't know that, did you? You didn't know that your husband, it tears him up when he thinks he's disappointed you. You don't realize it. Because we don't say it. The last thing a man wants to do in any area, the last thing a man wants to do is be a failure, especially when it comes to his relationship at home. And you, ladies, when you assume the worst, when you assume the worst, you communicate to your husband that no matter what you do, you will never please me. You communicate that really there's no point in even trying because you will always fall short. And I'm telling you, ladies, I'm telling you how men work. I'm telling you this for your own sake, that we men, if we don't think we can win a game, we don't play that game. If we think we're just going to lose in the end, why do save myself a quarter? I'm not going to put the quarter in the thing. We don't like to do projects, but we think we're going to fail. So if you're communicating to him that you will never succeed, because even when you succeed, I think you're going to fail, and I think you're going to fail in the next one, and I think you're going to let me down. It's just a matter of time before that boy checks out and stops playing that game. Is that your goal? Well, that's what's happening every time you assume the worst. But we ladies, oh, the second secret. tell you the second, this one your man doesn't even know. The second secret is this, is that even though a man's brain is very different from a woman's brain, a man's heart is not that much different. His heart is actually very similar to yours. And your heart, like his heart, isn't drawn towards criticism it's drawn towards acceptance you see you think your criticism is all in the line of self-improvement you don't mean to push him away you want to help him be a better man but do you realize that your man if he comes home to criticism 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 you know it's just a matter of time before he stops coming home he'll come home in body every time but not his heart. His body will come. His brain may be in the room, but his heart is very far away. Because a man's heart is very sensitive towards criticism. Extremely sensitive in ways that he doesn't even understand. And if all Heath knows is I'm going to this conversation and all he's going to do is criticize me, you know what? I'm going to leave my heart here at work. But I'm not going to risk my heart getting hurt here. Ladies, we can turn this thing around, though. We can turn this thing around. I painted a bad picture of what the negative, but I'm telling you, the positive is so easy. It is so easy. You can turn this thing around. It doesn't take as much work as you think. You get a text, I'm running late. That's okay. No big deal. You can tell me about it when you come home. You see a a credit card statement that he bought something that y'all didn't discuss. Where's your mind go? Your mind goes to, uh irresponsible, selfish, didn't communicate. Or you say, you know what? I'm sure this was something he needed. And I'm sure there's a generous explanation for it. I'm sure something must have come up that he forgot to tell me. Where's your mind go? Does your mind naturally go to the most generous explanation? You thinking right now, if I do that, Father Anthony, he'll take advantage of me. He'll take advantage of me. He'll take advantage of me. Well, hey, remember last week, I said the same thing to the guys. I said to the guys that you love, regardless of the, and I said, guys, but they'll take advantage of us. And we said, that's okay. We're still gonna do our part, even if they take advantage of us. And I'm telling you, now I'm telling you, like I told them last week, the exact opposite's gonna happen is you, don't tell this to your husband, okay? Because we don't want him to know that you're smarter than him. You, by your belief, will guide the trajectory of your husband. And if you believe little, it's just a matter of time before he fulfills that. And if you believe great, I'm telling you, you will unlock potential in your husband that you didn't think was possible. You know how I know this is true? Because I'm living proof of it. Because I have the most supportive, appreciative, believe in me, wife, in the world, and that's why I want you to stay away from her. (laughs) Because I know what my wife sees in me. Who I am today would not be the same without her. And I truly believe that with all my heart, that she's the one who believes in me, and I do dumb things. And she sees me mess up. And she is the most... I never run away from my wife telling her something that's deep inside. I never have to run away, thinking that she's going to criticize me. Because I know she'll always accept me. And that gives me the confidence to go back and back and back again, no matter what dumb thing I've done after that. Ladies, that's what I want for you. Men, single guys, that's what I want you to find. So why don't tell me about, that's what I want you to find. There's a woman who appreciates you and believes in you. Because that will make you a million bucks. Last verse. Ladies, take this one literally. Luke 6.31. Just as you want men to do to you, so you also do to them likewise. Last week we talked to the the men and said, love one another as I have loved you, which we said was the highest. This is actually the lowest level of love, is love as you want to be loved. What I want to highlight this specifically, because I'm asking you, what do you want your husband to put in the gap when you fall short? Because even you, Miss Perfect, you fall short every now and then. Do you want your husband to assume the worst or to believe the best? And as you want men to do to you, so you also do to them. Everything you've ever read about marriage, all that stuff is good. Put that on the shelf for a week or two. And just do this, ladies. And see what difference it makes in your marriage. Put it all on the shelf. We'll go pick up all that stuff. And just for one week, two weeks, as you want men to do to you, so you also do to them. And I guarantee you, you'll see a new husband by the end of the month. And stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our heart for all that you've given to us and the way that you accept us and believe in us and call us something that we know we're not worthy of. I pray, Lord, that you'd put inside of us that same ability to believe the best about one another and not assume the worst. Give us to be like like our, our minds are always in a positive place, in an optimistic place, not delusional, but believing the best in one another and hopefully drawing that out of one another. Pray, Lord, for every marriage that is or that is to come, that you, Lord, would work inside them, and you'd help them to become the man and woman that you want them to be for one another. Pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. The prayers of all of your saints. Here says, we pray thankfully, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory...